one of the things that I have reminded myself through the years in being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, is to stay the course, to stay on track, to keep going, to not get into self-pity mode. Uh, stay the course is something that I heard a long time ago. Uh, but stay the course is a phrase used in the context of a war or battle, meaning to pursue a goal regardless of any obstacles or criticism. I think one of the things that many of us can face is that things happen, you know, things in our family life, things uh, in, in just ministry, things in the church maybe you attended. These can be looked at and viewed as obstacles. So you have to get over them. You have to keep going. You have to go through them, over them, around them, finding a way through. And then also criticism. When people criticize the things you are doing or maybe you take uh, the criticism to heart. And we know that you know, we are all human. What people say can, can penetrate into our hearts, can hurt us and hit us and slow us down in many different ways. But I think stay the course is a reminder to say keep going. Stay on track. One of the things that we can identify as Christians is staying the course really is about the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark 16, 15 and Luke 24, 46 through 48, both repeat the Great Commission. Now there's an emphasis in different areas, but they both repeat that we are commissioned by Jesus. He left something for us to do. And so this is the thing, when I say stay the course, stay on track, keep going, keep pursuing, what I'm saying is make sure the Great Commission is your, is your point that you're aiming at, is the, is the North Star, so to speak, is the thing that you're looking ahead to. Uh, Luke 24, 46 through uh, 48 says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And in Mark 16, 15 uh, through 18, it says this, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And then we see this kind of like culmination in the book of Acts where we see just, you know, the church, the early church going into action. And that's why it literally called the book of Acts. And so Acts 1a, it says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what we know and what we can see is this understanding that when we say stay the course, any follower of Jesus is part of sharing the gospel. 
when you're pursuing Christ, when you're following Jesus, the great commission is for us. It's something that we put on, like we take the responsibility of, we, we own it, we put it on our shoulders, we carry that. That is something that we walk with, the great commission to share the gospel, to preach to people. This is the course. It's a challenging path. It's not easy. The Bible teaches us a few things about this course. In Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, have you ever seen a narrow path? And have you ever seen a wide one? A wide and broad path is popular. It's, it's normal. Uh, even, even the term pop culture, popular culture. These are things that we see that everybody kind of goes with. The trends, the way things are, you know, we look at, the desires that we want. Oh, we saw this on TV. We all want it. You know, maybe you live in a small town and, and you see that there are clothes in the window of the, of the biggest store there. And then you, you go somewhere and you see maybe eight or 10 other people with the same clothes. You know, that's, that's what pop culture looks like. That's the popular thing. And so have you ever seen a narrow path in the dark? It's not very inviting. The narrow path is something that many people just choose to stay away from. Because, you know, why would that be the right way if not a lot of people go that way? And so this is how the Bible describes the way which leads to life. A narrow path, not a wide one. And this is our course. Uh, a challenging and even sometimes difficult one. It's not easy. It's challenging. It's tempting to go to the big road, you know, the thing that you see everybody doing. It's like the paved road versus the dirt little narrow path. It's like, man, you, you want to be on the easy, the, the paved thing. That's what, that's, that's fun. That's easy, you know, and everyone else is there. So it has to be right because everyone's there. And I feel so lonely on this narrow path. And these are the things that, that I go through and that I'm sure that you go through when you're thinking about your walk as a Christian, that why do I feel lonely? Why do I feel like this is not something that's easier? This is challenging to me. And, and this is the Christian walk, the journey of faith. Uh, the, thing, the thing that we walk and we pursue Christ in relationship in this. And so there's mission, vision, passion, and purpose of the Christian. And the mission is the Great Commission. That's our mission. The vision is to see a society transformed, to see uh, uh, people living with the fear of the Lord and, and conviction of the Holy Spirit, declaring Jesus is Lord of their lives. You know, this is the vision that we would want to see, that people walk in truth, they walk in righteousness, walk in freedom. And then our passion is to see this come to pass. This is staying the course, to have that passion, to see that happen. Uh, the purpose of all this is, is the end prophesied in the scripture, in the Bible, and that is that Christ will return as king and reign over all the earth. You know, that's what scripture teaches us, and that's the thing that we look forward to. That is, that is the, the purpose of all of this that we're part of, is that when our, our Lord and Savior, who is king, comes and, and you know, looks at us, that we know that we have served him. That's our purpose. And, and the Great Commission is part of that. Jesus said uh, in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So when we look at our Christian walk, where we're headed, not even just where we're at right now, where we're headed, 
The journey we are on, the path, this course, is destined to get harder. So if someone promised you a healthy and wealthy lifestyle, you know, as a Christian, I can tell you this, that, that they weren't clear. Because the clarity of Scripture teaches us that it is a challenging walk. I always say being a Christian is the hardest thing you will ever do, but it is also the most fulfilling because there is something there that is that is just uh, unconceivable. It's it's not even it's not fathomable. We can't think of it in the way that we serve our heavenly Father, that we serve Jesus. When things usually take a turn for the worse and things get hard or challenging and we become very like, you know, bogged down or, or weighed down from a lot of the negative things, uh, you know, we we usually kind of look back and when things get hard, we we value what used to be easy. Because when it was easy and it was commonplace, you know, we didn't understand that that was a good time. And when things get hard and challenging, we look back and we value what we used to have. Uh, it is something that it's, it's the forced reflection that comes with loss. We never realize what we have until it's gone. And so when things get hard, we value what used to be easy or even commonplace. Uh, when things get hard, our celebrations become cherished. We celebrate and we, we look at those moments of life and we look at those moments and we celebrate with each other and we cherish those moments. They're important. We look at them and think like, man, I so value the time together with those people or that group or the things we did and, and we celebrate things. And, and this is a real question for, I ask myself, uh, what do you celebrate? You know, what are the things that I celebrate in my life? Uh, what causes celebration? You know, we think of birthdays, we think of, you know, other events, anniversaries, uh, um, you know, just holidays. These are celebrations. We celebrate certain things. And what do you celebrate? What causes celebration in your life? And what's the last thing you celebrated? What is the last thing that you celebrated? In Luke 15, 7, it says this, I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. In heaven, there is celebration over one lost sinner. Now, this scripture for me is something a little bit, has a little bit of a depth or an impact because what that says to me, and it's a question that I ask myself, what causes those who are in the presence of God to rejoice over a sinner repenting? Think about it. Our greatest moments are when we had an encounter with our Heavenly Father, when we knew the Holy Spirit was in the room, when we knew Jesus was speaking to us, when we knew that this is God, this is the Lord, He's moving in my life. And, and we celebrated that moment. It was like a moment of just like an awesome time. And I thought about, you know, but these, these uh, it says all of heaven, uh, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just, person, just persons who need no repentance. And so when I think about this, I think that even those in the presence of God himself celebrate repentance. They celebrate one sinner coming to know the truth. And what do they understand that causes such celebration? That's a question that actually came from reading this scripture. What, what do they know? What do they understand? That they're so excited that they celebrate when a sinner repents. Uh, Jesus was never heard saying that all of heaven rejoices when someone gets healed. 
You know, it, it's not recorded in Scripture. Uh, heaven doesn't rejoice when you give your tithe or your offering. Uh, you know, the, the owner of your building rejoices. Um, heaven doesn't rejoice when you win a debate over tattoos or over which translation of the Bible is more accurate. You know, that's not something that heaven rejoices about. It rejoices about repentance. Repentance causes heaven to rejoice. Heaven rejoices when someone repents. And when we think about the Great Commission, the Great Commission is called that because all of heaven values repentance more than anything else. The Great Commission is the thing that when we act and we, we are part of the Great Commission, heaven responds. Heaven sees something that is amazing and awesome when someone hears the gospel and understands that they need to repent and they repent. This is the course we are on. Stay the course. N.T. Wright said this, Never get so wrapped up in your own salvation that you forget what you're saved for. Never get so wrapped up in your own salvation that you forget what you have been saved for. Preach the gospel. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Uh, Matthew 28, 20. Teach, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, let me say it like this. Everyone is fighting a silent battle. Some hide it well. Others, it's a little bit more obvious, but we are all fighting, and some have no hope of victory or overcoming that battle. They have no hope. They don't know how it's going to work. They don't know what's, you know, what's going to, they can't do it. They don't see it working. They see just failure, and, and this is the gospel. This is why we share the gospel. The testimony of the Christian is what being a witness is and is pinpointed by the personal touch of God in our life. The testimony of the Christian is what being a witness is and is pinpointed by the personal touch of God in our life. Being witnesses of what God has done in your life. Stay the course. Share the gospel. Heaven rejoices when a sinner 